This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Red King Excavation. Are you in need of giant rocks removed from your property? Using our patent-pending Giant Kaiju technology, we will quickly remove all giant boulders getting in the way of your ultra-fun activities. Schedule your free estimate today by calling 800-555-KING. That's 800-555-KING. Red King Excavation. We throw rocks so you don't have to. Red King Excavation is not legally responsible for destruction of property and or dismemberment. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me is somebody I did not expect to have here, given uh, the uh, circumstances of the last episode, <laughs> but is Michael, my co-host. Howdy, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, you were able to... Uh, so, did you get let out of quarantine on Monster Island, or did you just escape, and is Jimmy from NASA coming to hunt you down? <laughs> Can I say both? Because, <laughs> um, let me just say this. Nathan, when you listen to this episode, man, you have got to do a better job at making some more room and more accommodations on that island because, I mean, I get that you've only got so much space to work with because, you know, the kaiju take up so much space. <laughs> uh, but man, the, the, um, while Nathan was, uh, here doing the interview for Kaiju Weekly, uh, I was on the island in quarantine for the folks that don't know. And, um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know what Jimmy's got against me, but for some reason, uh, he thought it would be funny to uh, put me downwind of the aviary. Um, <laughs> so not only did I hear Jimmy uh, tinkering around in his workshop all night, which caused me to get very little sleep, I also had to smell what Rodan and some of the flyers had for dinner every single day and no jimmy i did not get used to it i'm sorry <laughs> Ooh. you must have said something about the star wars prequels and that's why jimmy put you in the <laughs> what little bit of the island i did get to see travis was beautiful they do have a wonderful setup there and like i i applaud nathan and his team uh what they're trying to do what they're trying to do uh, you can tell they've done some massive renovations since the last time the Kelax were on the island. So, uh, yeah, but I didn't get to see a whole lot of it because, like I said, I was in quarantine in this, uh, this little 10 by 10 box, um, for exposed for the world to see. And it was just really, just a really uncomfortable situation. But I will tell you, I did have one bright spot. Okay. What's that? Uh, when I was packing up, when on my last day there, uh, Jimmy came and got me. I was packing up to leave and I walked into his office and on his desk was a copy of the official Godzilla compendium. Uh, it was, it was among, it was on a stack of, of papers and books labeled important. Um, so Jimmy, if you're listening, I hope you don't mind that I borrowed that book. Um, so yeah, I, I, he, he's probably looking for it right now, wondering where his book went to, because there are, 
a, a number of really interesting notes, especially on the, uh, in the, in the Magara section of the book. So I'm not sure what he was up to on the island. He was always super secretive. Anytime I would ever try to ask Jimmy a question, uh, it was just met with, mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. You know, just really short answers. I mean, I, I couldn't get anything out of the man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he was damaged in the war or what, but, um, yeah, he was not a very good host. Let me tell you. Yeah, your your most of your answers probably were like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, well, I'm glad that you were able to escape and you have made it, and we will keep an eye out for uh, Jimmy from NASA <laughs> to make sure that he doesn't steal you away back to quarantine and for listeners who are not aware if you listen to last week's episode or if you didn't listen to last week's episode uh uh, michael's audio was off and that's because he was in quarantine it's not because uh mistakes were made in human error no absolutely not it's because michael was stuck in quarantine (laughs) no absolutely not we we run a tight ship here at kaiju weekly and we would never let human error allow us to make a mistake like accidentally deleting the audio uh from the episode or uh trying to run too many programs at one time so you crash the program that you're actually using to record the audio we would never ever do something like that right exactly exactly um so anyway that being said um are you ready to jump into the news for this week michael absolutely all right well we can start with uh the news that toei the company toei has launched its own global tokusatsu youtube channel starting uh and it has uh 70 titles yeah, 70. I was having a hard time reading the number there. 70 titles with English subtitles uh, available on its YouTube starting uh, real soon, actually. I think it's in uh, just a couple of weeks. It is. It is. I think it, it starts, uh, I want to say, the first week or the second week of April. Yep. Uh, the first uh, round of things are going to be dropped on Monday, April 6th. So now I will say I was looking down the list here of all the things that are going to be um, that are going to be on there during the first initial rollout. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard of any of this stuff. Oh, but I maybe it's because I've not been into some of the um, the anime and like the more obscure tokusatsu or animation or anything like that from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just to name a few of the things that's on there, um, you've got National Kid uh, from the, from 1960, Super Sentai. Uh, a lot of the different uh, Super Sentai's are going uh, series are going to be on there, uh, uh, including Go Ranger, uh, Metal Hero series, uh, including Space Cop Gavin or Gavin. I don't know that one uh, from 1982. Uh, robot anime. Uh, different robot anime such as Voltez V from 1977 uh, and they're going to continue updating and adding new things and new episodes um, every week so uh, that's there that is crazy the amount of things that we've never really been able to watch or see here in the states uh, that are now available worldwide because it's available on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, um, 
honestly, as 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 much as I as as much as I love hate YouTube, um, I'm really really pleased that that we're getting able that we're able to to see all this stuff because mm-hmm. uh, was it last year that Toho released um, on the official Godzilla YouTube channel or official Toho YouTube channel? I can't remember exactly what it is, but uh, the Monster Island Buddies. Am I mm-hmm. co- am I correct? Was it last year? Um, um, I think it was last year. Yeah. Okay, so that was. I mean, they're always putting out. Um, they're putting out pretty consistent content, and it's it's really nice. And now a lot of it. Now, granted, a lot of it's still in the Japanese language, so uh, I don't even think some of those shows that are even on the Toho channel or on the Godzilla channel on um, on YouTube even has subtitles at this point. But it's a lot of fun to watch. It's it's just really cute. I think they release every. I think they release a new episode like every Saturday or something like that. And, mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I first heard about that on the Kaiju cast, so I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I had heard about it too, so it was uh, one of the, it was mid-last year, I think, um, when they started doing that. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, and one of the things I'm excited about is Common Rider. Common Rider becoming easier and more available to watch, because I have seen bits and pieces of Common Rider um, for... People who are not aware of Common Rider, but might be more aware of Power Rangers. So, um, Common Rider actually predates a lot of the uh, superhero shows from Japan. But in the '90s, when Super Sentai had been turned into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, here in the states, uh, Saban tried to do the same thing with Common Rider, and they created a show called Masked Rider. I remember that. Yeah, and I remember that too and I uh watched it when it was when it came on but I never, you know, because it didn't really have the success that Power Rangers did so it didn't get to continue and so it never really took off. And so Common Rider's been one of those things that I've always been interested in but being able to watch it has been so difficult. Um and so getting to watch the series and it's like Ultraman. It's been going forever, so there's just constantly a, a common writer series out, and they've been going for decades and decades. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I can't remember what it was during the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers era. If I'm not mistaken, it may, it may actually be um, during the mini series or series when they featured the Alien Rangers. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Um, not Siri, not Siri series. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but I remember Masked Rider being a crossover, ep- like a crossover, crossover uh, mini series within the Power Rangers uh, mythos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always wondered what what who that guy was. And I think um, what was the other show that was on Fox Kids at the time? Too was it uh, VR Troopers? Am I right? Uh, yeah, VR Troopers and Big Bad Beetleborg. So yeah, yes, both of those. Uh, were. Both, both I think were Sentai shows or mm-hmm. were based off of Sentai shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been exposed to this stuff before. And one of the other news items was Shout Factory TV has teamed up with uh, Pluto TV, and they've created the new Tokusatsu streaming service called Toku Shoutsu. Uh, the platform will allow viewers to watch shows such as Ultraman, Super Sentai, and for the first time in the United States, Common Rider. So I think we were talking about this 
just a few minutes ago before we started recording, and I told you that I actually watched a couple of episodes of Common Writer this morning mm-hmm. uh, when I read the news story. So yeah, it's it was really interesting to watch something that I've never actually been exposed to um, here in the United States because I'm not really fa- I'm not familiar at all with the Common Writer mythos. Uh, and really I'm not even that familiar with the super Sentai mythos, except for when it was adapted to power Rangers here for the United, in the United States. So it'll be super interesting to me to watch some of these shows that were the original shows that were of course later adapted to what we Americans know as, you know, uh, Saban, um, um, power rangers, power rangers and, and and some of the others right yeah yeah a quick history lesson for um listeners who are not familiar with these things um common rider started was started the trend in japan of the masked superheroes who transform uh from their like civilian outfits to their superhero uh monster fighter kind of uh modes and when common rider became popular super popular in japan uh toei decided to do a team of heroes like that who would transform and that's where super sentai came from uh which was later in the 90s adapted into mighty Morphin power rangers the thing though was in the original super sentai series the characters just transformed from their civilian into their superhero kind of masked helmeted uh modes and they fought the monsters and their and their bad guys and that was it there was no mechs there was no giants there was nothing like that until Spider-Man the Japanese Spider-Man came out Toei had uh got the license to do a spider-man series they wanted to do a uh straight adaptation of spider-man but i think it was bandai who they were partnered with on making the action figures and stuff uh bandai had said well you can't sell action figures of spider-man because spider-man's just by himself you need to have more going on and so they created this whole idea of a giant robot and the car that can fly and the and uh marveler which is the big spaceship and all these things and so they created this completely different completely original idea for spider-man uh which is now we you know call the spider-man or the japanese spider-man and when that took off in popularity they decided well let's add the giant robots to the super sentai series and so they added the Zords, what we, you know, in the States from Power Rangers know as the Zords to the Super Sentai series. And that became history. So it's it's kind of it's such a fascinating thing how Spider-Man, Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, Power Rangers are all interconnected to each other. And they kind of we wouldn't have any of these things. We wouldn't have Power Rangers. We wouldn't have a lot of the stuff that we have without these uh, shows that existed back then. Yeah. And so it's really cool that we get to finally see some of the original things uh, coming from Japan that have not really made it into the States as of yet. I was really, uh, now I was still too young to really know why this was, but I remember thinking as a child, why is it that some of the battles and some of the scenes in the Power Ranger shows look completely different than some of the other scenes um, like the coloring 
just some of the right. just some of the some of the effects just looked a little little off to me um and that was because they were splicing together super sentai and what the what was produced here in the states the power rangers mm-hmm. uh, together and you can tell it's obvious now when you look at when you watch those shows i remember uh we were talking on the on the i think it was the twitter uh on the back channel with the uh, the twitter group for something that we're going to announce later uh nudge nudge wink wink but um <laughs> <clears throat> when um when you got when you I think it was you that posted the picture of the Power Rangers and then I posted the the photo of the uh the villains from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, it got me thinking about going back and watching some of those older episodes. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically watching the episode where Lord Zed makes his debut. Um and he, the way it's shot, like the the way they've spliced it together, it's it is an it's obviously a different actress. Rita Repulsa is absolutely a different actress in most of that episode than in other parts of the episode because the actress uh, here in the States is not the same as the actress in Japan. Right, so. exactly. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing to me. I mean, it, it, on one hand, it's kind of like, oh, it's silly and dumb, you know, the way that they did it. But on the other hand, especially from a business standpoint – it's brilliant. It's like this show already exists. All the special effects and everything are already done. All you got to do is just shoot a few scenes with some American actors and uh, or later on New Zealand actors and just splice them together. And there you go. There's your show. <laughs> it basically writes itself. Right. And I remember watching some, I think it was, maybe it was Alien Rangers or maybe it was, um, Later on in the series, I, th- I can't remember what I can't remember what I cannot remember at at the end of what series it was where the um, the Dragon Zord and and the the me- the original Megazord was destroyed. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing that episode and the suits for the Megazord and the Dragon Zord look completely different than the ones previously shown. And it's because I don't know if it was because the Americans borrowed the suit and so they were able to reshoot it in in in, in Hollywood and made it look better. But I just wasn't sure because, you know, uh, yeah. they were like 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 we say we, they were just trying to splice together two shows. And I, I'm not and and I'm not I'm not dogging it because honestly right. it worked. It worked. It was it was good as a child in 1993. You didn't know the difference. You just enjoyed mm-hmm. the show for what it was. Um, so I, sometimes I hate, uh, sometimes I hate, hate it when the fourth wall gets broken. You know what I mean? So, Mm -mm. yeah, uh, I, I really, really hope that we can get around to a Power Rangers slash Super Sentai slash Common Rider episode of this podcast because I really want to get, dive into some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, so, we need to go ahead and move on from the news, uh, with or with the news. Um, we can talk about that kind of stuff all day long. I just I want to cover. No, we can. Yeah, I want to cover it on the podcast at some future time. Um, so uh, another bit of news that we had: we had the first trailer for the new kaiju comedy film Monster Seafood Wars uh, has been released, and let's see, it is scheduled to premiere in Japan on May 23rd, although that date could be changed. I think it has actually been changed um, because a lot of release dates have been delayed because of the coronavirus. 
But have you seen anything about this uh, this film, Monster Seafood Wars? I honestly have not. Uh, it's not really been on my radar uh, it, it, until this morning when I when I saw it in our news segment and decided to go look it up. And it really does it really does look funny to me. Um, I mean, I'm I'm anxious to when it gets released in the states or I'm able to find it um, in an undisclosed location somewhere on the internet and watch it for myself. Right. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing it. It looks silly. It looks goofy, and 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 I'm here for it because you know it is meant to be silly and goofy. Uh, I think it's a good example, especially for listeners who might be new to the uh, kaiju genre, um, who are not really familiar with with how Japan does kaiju or giant monster uh, movies because. Here in the States, and, and I've gotten this question, I think even in the Q&A, I've gotten the question, what does, what is so different? Why, why do Americans and uh, the West in general do kaiju or giant monster movies so different from Japan and, and Korea and other ones like that? And my go-to answer has always been because they view it as a style of filmmaking where you can explore different genres and different themes and different ideas. Whereas in America, we tend to just a giant monster movie is a giant monster movie. And so every giant monster movie is just a giant monster movie. And this is a good example of that because this is a giant monster movie, but it's a comedy. It's, it's a silly, goofy you know, crazy comedy, and I th- just shows it shows the flexibility that the genre has, especially coming from Japan and from you know countries that m- embrace the genre more. Um, you have anything you want to add to that? I I really don't have anything much of substance to add to that one. Like I said, it look when I, what I saw today, it did look funny. I will watch it. Um, because as I as I go deeper and deeper into this kaiju, as we go deeper into this kaiju renaissance, and and I dive a little bit deeper into things that I never knew existed, and you know try out new things that are coming down the pipeline, it's just going to be added to my list, and so I'll probably have more to say about it once I actually see it. But for right now, I'm interested, but I don't have a much to, I don't have much else to say. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So moving on. We need to talk about G-Fest. So, as of right now, as of recording this episode, G-Fest has not been canceled. uh, And that's for anyone who's not familiar. That's the uh, Godzilla Tokusatsu Kaiju Festival that's in Chicago, held every year, um, was started by uh, the uh, J.D. Lees, um, who... uh, he was the head of he was the head, was the of, head of G Fan Magazine. G Fan Magazine. I was trying to think. I was like, I know it's G something. Oh, sick brain. <laughs> I've got. I, I'm. I listeners. I. I'm kind of uh, sick. Not with the coronavirus. With with other stuff. Um. And so I'm. My brain's not working today. <laughs> um. But hey, one of the benefits of getting sick when we're under quarantine is I can't pass it to anybody else anyway. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so JD has put out on the official G Fest uh, Twitter page. Uh, he he has said that as of right now, G Fest is not canceled. 
um, and plans to go ahead as scheduled, but that's up to be changed at any moment. You know, there's still there's still a long time between now and July when it's scheduled, and a lot of things can change between now and then. So that's that's you know one thing. That's one bit of news from G Fest is that it's not canceled for the moment, but you know who knows. But the other bit of news was the controversy that JD stirred up on Twitter um, by posting some <sighs> some kind of uh, would I would I be correct in saying insensitive tweets? Insensitive, probably in a, in slightly poor taste. Um, um, out. Not uh, Travis. I'm just going to go ahead and, and read the tweet that got him in trouble. Um, yeah. Because I'm going to let the I'm going to let the listeners decide for themselves. Uh, so basically, JD went on Twitter. Uh, it, he was he's probably been asked this question probably a thousand times since the coronavirus started, and it just says simply uh, in response to a couple of inquiries, G Fest on um, is is on as planned. In the U.S., the new virus has killed 22 very old people, most with pre-existing serious medical medical conditions. Last year, the ordinary flu killed 37,000 Americans. By summer, corona will be long gone. Please wash your hands and relax. And I can honestly see why people jumped all over him for this, uh, because it is slightly insensitive. It is... Uh, it can be seen as he's minimizing the crisis because now it has been labeled a crisis. It has been labeled a global uh, pandemic uh, by the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. And um, for him to treat it like as just a, as the common flu, um, it's a little bit insensitive to the people who are actually seriously concerned about it. Yeah, and I think also one of the other uh, tweets that got him in serious trouble was um, he posted some of the stats, um, which end up uh, the the stats that you mentioned are false. That's they they are not uh, informed. The stats that he uh, said in that tweet, but also he posted um, China population one point three eight six billion virus cases eighty one thousand infection rate is zero point zero zero fifty eight percent South Korea population anyway he listed out a bunch of stats um, and then compared it to the seasonal flu again these numbers are actually incorrect he's actually wrong and but even correctness and being correct about the numbers uh, aside beside the fact um yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of insensitive to take this this um, crisis that's going on that is affecting so many people's lives, uh-huh. so many people's jobs, so many people's loved ones, and to minimize it in that way. And I, I don't, you know, I I I don't know JD personally. Um, I know people who do know him personally. He doesn't seem like the type of person that meant any harm by this but right now is a very emotional time right Right. now is a very stressful time for a lot of people and i think that he just didn't put a lot of thought into what he was saying and then on top of it posting it on the g fest official twitter instead of his own personal account kind of just really really set people off and 
I, I I get it. I completely understand why people reacted the way they did. Now, do I agree that the reaction and the hate that he's gotten uh, is deserved or that people should, you know, throw the hate and stuff that I've seen on Twitter at him? No, no, because that that is there's no excuse for being hateful and everything but at the same time i also kind of understand because like i said emotions are really high right now and this kind of triggered people so it's a controversial issue and i'm neutral on it i'm not taking one side over the other i think that he was insensitive but at the same time i also think that uh i think people are going at him a little too hard and that we all just need to remember that this is a difficult time for everyone we're you know it's a stressful time for everyone and we need to just don't lose hope everyone's you know don't give into despair don't give it into into anger yes this is a difficult time and yes we have a lot of things to be upset about and and depressed about and and everything but don't give into that be positive let's stay positive and that that's a message that i hope goes out and resonates with jd himself and with the people who are angry at him right and you know he's um you know he's since sort of backtracked a little bit he uh, i think he his his following tweets said something to the effect of uh, that they're watching, that they're watching it closely and they are prepared to do whatever they have to, to keep, uh, the, the, the people that are, that are planning to come to G Fest safe. Uh, and if they feel like they can't do that, of course, you can always get a refund. I, I think, uh, he posted on Twitter too that, you know, you can receive a refund. Um, now this affects me personally because this was going to be my very first G Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, Am I disappointed? Absolutely, I'm disappointed. But do I understand? Yes. Uh, my wife does not want me to go all the way to Chicago uh, during a pandemic, and I understand that. I get it. Right. Um, am I disappointed again? Yes, absolutely. But I agree with you, Travis, that I think people overreacted a little bit um, mm-hmm. to his tweet. Now, it, it did sound like he was minimizing And I'm not one that errs on the side of political correctness either, but I do realize that during a time of crisis, you still got to use a little bit of tact when talking about these issues. Yeah. And, and, And I think, like I said, I think it goes a long way to just remember to stay positive, you know, to just for all of us to remember that, uh, to remember empathy because we we're all going through, you know, stuff. I mean, some people are going through worse than others. Right. Uh, I mean, I, me personally, I haven't been affected by the virus the way that some people have. I haven't lost my job yet um, because my job doesn't involve dealing with the public. So right. I haven't uh, lost it yet. Um, and uh, some people have, some people have lost loved ones who have died because of this virus. And, and, you know, there's a lot of terrible things that's going on. I mean, just, uh, like I say, I, I'm not going through as hard of a time as, as some of them, but I, because of the quarantine and because of, uh, self-isolation and everything, I haven't been able to see my fiance in over two weeks now. And we were supposed to have our engagement party recently and that was canceled. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff that, that all of that, that everybody is going through 
And you just have to remember that everyone's going through something. So the words that you say can affect them. And so we just need to remember to show empathy towards each other during this difficult time and stay positive. Just everyone's just stay positive. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, Travis. I'm, my job does not require me to be around people all the time. I work from home anyway. And so Mm -hmm. I'm used to being an introvert. I was talking with some friends from work uh, the other day and we, they brought up the meme that said introverts have been preparing for this their entire lives. Um, Mm -hmm. which is sort of true. Uh, in sort of a funnier sense, in sort of yeah. a funnier sense, but, uh, but yeah, I work from home. My wife, uh, she works at a hospital, so her job is safe. Um, but I do feel terrible for people out there in the food service industry and some of and restaurants and things, you know, my local watering hole was shut down and they employ, uh, several dozen people there. And I feel bad for those folks that they can't, they can't work and they're possibly either going to be laid off or fired because the business cannot support them even after the coronavirus is over. But anyway, I said that because, uh, there, there, there are, I'm trying to be empathetic to those people do, that do have bigger problems to deal with than myself. And I'm just trying to be thankful mm-hmm. for what I do have and, you know, the opportunities that I have to still work and do the things that I want to do. Uh, although, things are a little bit tight right now. Uh, I'm still willing to do what I can to help others. And I think that leads us into another uh, interesting part of our news segment. Travis, you want to take us into that? Yeah. Um, I, because so many people right now, the isolation that uh, people are feeling is causing a lot of depression and stuff. And so um, on that same note, I also want to say if you're dealing with depression and everything because of the stuff that's going on, uh, don't give up. Don't give up and seek help. Seek whatever help you can get. There's nothing wrong with seeking help. Have someone to talk to, even if it's over the phone. A lot of uh, places are offering uh, over the phone counseling and stuff so that you, you know, because you can't see a counselor necessarily in person right now. But there is so much help that's available, but just don't give up. And to help lift everyone's spirits, uh, especially you know people who are fans of giant monster movies, which is what this podcast is focused on, uh, I had the idea of how about we do a watch-along with a bunch of kaiju fans and we watch just have a movie marathon of just watching a bunch of different giant monster movies and have everyone come in and they can join in the chat and we'll do some commentary and everything and so i didn't know how to do that i i'm not technically you know uh, i don't have the technical abilities and the knowledge to be able to do that so i reached out to some fellow podcasters and we all got together and we have now decided to put put together a two-day movie marathon called kaiju quarantine and what that is is going to be eight movies over two nights april 4th and april 5th starting at 2 p.m central time Central Standard Time, and it is going to feature commentary from some of your favorite kaiju podcasters like GargantuCast, like Tokyo Lives, like Kaiju Conversations, Kaiju Transmissions, Monster Island Film Vault, and more. So we are 
so excited to be able to put that together and it's going to be available on discord is how we're going to be watching it so we are going to be posting in the description of this episode the link to the discord the discord channel where it's going to be available and if you check our social medias you can see the list of movies and who all is involved in it and see where you can go to watch it on april 4th and april 5th that should be a ton of fun i know um when you were when you were giving me the update on what was going on last night um the movies that you and I are going to be on, I think we're going to have a whole lot of fun with. I'm really looking forward to talking with Alex from Monsters vs. Men again, and and I'm looking forward to talking with the guy that from with Chris from the Gargantua cast. He's a, he's an awesome fella too, and uh, we're just going to have a whole lot of fun, and we're going to have some great discussions. I know that um, I know there's probably going to be a lot of funny moments too uh, during these films, and so we're just going to be able to laugh together and. Um, just enjoy this time of quarantine together and hopefully, uh, to everyone listening that can join that, hopefully you guys can join us and hopefully this makes your life just a little bit easier while you're going, while you're, uh, trying to fight off cabin fever there at your house. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the main thing. That is the main thing. As fun as this is, as exciting as this is for us as podcasters to be able to come together and and be able to do the commentary and have fun with this. My main goal in organizing this was to lift people's spirits, to help them feel like they're not alone, that they can be just, you know, just have a little distraction from all the things that's going on and, and enjoy themselves just watching the movies that they love. Sometimes maybe some movies they haven't ever seen before and hear their favorite podcasters commentating over it and join in with, with the chat and, and, uh, and share that with other giant monster fans. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're, we've got movies. We've got a bunch of Godzilla movies lined up. It was originally going to be just Godzilla movies, but then we threw in some to, uh, some other stuff to, uh, kind of shake it up a little bit and add some variety. So we've got Godzilla versus Monster Zero, Godzilla versus Gigan, Terror of Mechagodzilla, but we also have things like, uh, Reptilian, the Black Scorpion, and Rigo, uh, which, King of the Sea Monsters, which is, an interesting one because that's an indie one. So maybe a lot of people haven't seen that one yet. Uh, Cause that's, you know, barely making its way into the United States and kind of trickling its way through to people's, uh, you know, circles. Uh, so some people might not have seen that one, but all of that is going to be done on Saturday, April 4th and Sunday, April 5th. Starting at 2 p.m. both days, uh, that's Central Standard Time, so add or subtract however many hours based on what time zone you're in, and uh, we hope that you're able to come and join the fun, because it's going to be a lot of fun. It's called Kaiju Quarantine. It's a two-day movie marathon with commentary by your favorite kaiju podcasters to lift your spirits during this time of stress and hardship. And I want to uh, also throw this out there, Travis, that we want to when, once we release the the links to everything, I want to encourage you guys to go and download uh, Discord and join that group as quickly as you can. Because from what I understand, Discord only allows a certain number 
of participants or viewers uh, for a live stream. So uh, if you want to be, if you want a seat in that uh, virtual theater, you, you got to hurry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not just our listeners who are going to be there. We're also going to have listeners who are fans of Gargantucast or fans of Monsters vs. Men or Tokyo Lives, which is, you know, they, and a lot of them have more listeners and more fans than we do. Uh, and so, uh, the seats are going to fill up fast. And of course, but, I'm going to share this to the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. And right now we've got, uh, over 1200 different people in that group that love Kaiju. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to let people know as soon as we're able to release that information that they need to log in and and get those spots quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, it is going to be a first come first serve uh on that on the day. So, um but we're looking forward to it and with the way Discord is, if our commentary over top of the movie gets a little annoying for you guys, you can always mute us <laughs> and just watch <laughs> <Absolutely>. the movie. <laughs> um but yeah, so that that's the big announcement that we have and uh again, you will see it all over our social media uh for the next coming weeks because we're, we're super excited for it. So we've had a, a, a chat group of just all of us Kaiju podcasters, just, you know, working together to put this together. And it, it has come together a lot faster than I expected. Uh, I just had the idea. I, I'm an ideas guy. I'm not a follow through kind of do guy. <laughs> so uh, you, you are the 50,000, like my boss, uh, my my creative director says you are the fifty thousand foot view guy. You you cast the vision and you expect others to make it happen. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily expect people to, but <laughs> it's nice when they do. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I just reached out on Twitter. I'm like, uh, does anybody know how to do this? And and then you know a few people got in touch with me and they're like, yeah, you do it this way, this way, this way. I'm like, um, can we? form like a, a, a group chat to kind of uh, figure this out and we did and boom it just took off so it was it's been a lot of fun so we're looking forward to that and we'll talk about it probably again next week too just because we're so excited for it right um so now moving out of the news segment into the main topic for this week we asked the trivia question last week uh which we had asked the trivia question before <laughs> and and uh we just repeated it last week um but the question is in episode 320 of the Simpsons which member of the family is dressed as Ultraman in the opening couch gag and we had some answers. So we had two answers from Nicholas Blackler. Um, one funny answer and then one real answer. <laughs> uh, the first answer he sent was Principal Skinner. That way, Superintendent Chambers, uh, or Chambers? Chalmers, I can't remember how to say his name. Uh, I, the superintendent, anyway, on there could say Ultraman, <laughs> the way he says Skinner. <laughs> uh, and then he and Nicholas also said uh, Homer. Although I feel like the fight scenes would be very slow paced. Throw a couple of punches, sit down, and catch his breath. Uh, Homer becomes Ultraman thanks to his trusty Beta Duff. <laughs> And so that was a <laughs> nice, fun answer. Some, being quarantined like that, I was like, like I was on Monster Island. I could have used a beta duff for sure. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Thorax on Twitter at GokuGX, who is also known as Kevin, uh, said Homer Simpson as Ultraman or Ultraman Jack. Uh, King Kong dot Skull Island um, said Homer. I'm pretty sure. Drawing Zilla on Instagram said it's definitely Homer. I've seen the episode. Uh, Connor Jameson Tooley said Homer, of course. And then we had a couple of more sent over on Twitter. Let me pull them up here. Uh, we had Jimmy from NASA, who is on route to become an arch enemy of our podcast. Who let that say? guy in here, Travis? Why did you let that guy in here? Come on. <laughs> Well, he uh, uh, he he sent in the answer, Mister Burns with Smithers as Baltan, which I think is a great visual. <laughs> it is actually, uh, yeah. And then Nathan from Monster Island Film Vault said, "Krusty the Clown." <laughs> so, um, but oh, of course it was, yeah. <laughs> but of course it was Homer. Homer was Ultraman. Um, and if I remember right, let's see. Uh, Maggie was Pikachu, Lisa was, uh, Sailor Moon, I think, and then I forget what Bart was. Bart was something. Oh, I had them all at one time, but then I forgot. I can't uh, remember either. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen the episode, and I'm not a huge Simpsons, I'm not a huge Simpsons fan anyway. Oh, okay. Well, well, each of the characters was a famous, like, Japanese character from... Wasn't, from wait, wasn't Bart the, um, who's the kid with the race car? Um, Speed Racer? Oh, Speed Racer, Speed Racer. Uh, he might have been, he might have been. Um, I I'll have to look that up now. Uh, actually, let me do that right now while I'm thinking <laughs> about it. Because that's going to drive me nuts. I'm not going to be able to focus on the rest of the episode. Uh, let's see... Homer. In the meantime, Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Google. If you need an answer to something, yeah. ask Google. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh no, um, uh, Bart was was Astro Boy. Ah, That's what okay. he was. Yeah, he was Astro Boy. Lisa was uh, Sailor Moon. Maggie was Pikachu, and then uh, Marge was—I forget the character's name—but she is the uh, female um, Gachaman uh, character uh, from from uh, Battle of the Planets. Uh, the um, I can't think of I can't think of the the character's name, but yeah, if you, if if people know Japanese anime, they'll they'll know Gachaman, uh, and that's that's uh, who she was. So so yeah, so like I said, they were all Japanese characters, but Homer was Ultraman, and that you know leads into our main discussion, which is Ultraman. Woo! We are discussing. Yeah, we are going back to the well <laughs> because I we have been looking forward to doing this episode for a couple of weeks now. I'm going stir crazy on the island and then uh coming home to have to uh take care of some family business. Uh I yeah, I, I when when you when you asked me to if you if I want to do this episode, I was really excited because one, I already had my notes I had already had my notes written out uh like 3 weeks ago. So I was prepared <laughs> for once. I was I was thinking like, oh, did you write the notes out on toilet paper from the from inside the the uh 
<laughs> the bubble that you were in in quarantine? No, no. I, I, if I, if I had to do that, then, um, yeah, I don't know where I would have gotten toilet paper from. I would probably had to have used one of Jimmy's schematics for toilet paper because, like I said, Jimmy, if you're listening, you are a terrible host. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's Jimmy's fault that they've run out of toilet paper on Monster Island because, I mean, come on, everybody's running out of toilet paper. I don't think, you know, even Monster Island is not immune but, to the hoarders. <laughs> but uh, wouldn't Mothra be able to create toilet paper with 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 her uh, web, with her webbing? Wouldn't you be able to create toilet paper out of that or would that just be too sticky? I don't know. Mm. I'm not really sure. <laughs> you could probably weave some toilet paper out of that. Who knows? I don't know. But we're getting off topic. So yeah. Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> Ultraman. So we are covering episode seven, episode eight, and episode nine of the original 1966 Ultraman series. So we're going to start with episode seven. We're just going to take these episode by episode um, today. So that sure. is the Blue Stone of Baraji is the name of that episode. And the plot breakdown, let me see if I can pull it up on the Ultraman Wiki, because that's where I get all of my, uh, this, this episode is brought to you by Wiki, Wikipedia. Um, uh, it says, after worldwide divisions of the Science Patrol mysteriously disappear, an agent of Science Patrol from Paris is sent to the, J the Japanese team. Uh, together they fly to the Middle East and discover a lost legendary village. There they meet a queen and the village's people who are all old. It is revealed that they worship a god of Noah who resembles Ultraman. The monster appears and Ultraman tries to defeat it. However, it takes the blue stone offered by the queen to vanquish the monster. So, Michael, what are your thoughts on this episode, The Blue Stone of Baraji? Uh, well, uh, I actually enjoyed it. So, um... It wasn't my, it's not my favorite of the three, uh, the episodes mm -hmm. that we watched. It's actually second in line. Um, and I, and in my notes here, I had all the, I have, although the trope of a lost civilization is kind of stale, uh, I like that they expanded a little bit more on the Ultraman mythos with him being once the protector of Earth cent centuries prior. And also, um, is it is it uh, accidental or convenient that they would call him Noah? Uh, I think they were purposely trying to tie it to some kind of biblical figure mm -hmm. um, because there was a lot of stuff in there that really made them uh, made it seem like they were really trying to tie the idea of this biblical story of Noah's uh, Noah and the Ark and the flood mm -hmm. to Ultraman, which was really weird <laughs> to me. <laughs> it was. It was a little. It was a little odd, but it makes sense in terms of the Ultraman mythos because if because Ultraman is 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 an old old protector of the universe, and so it would sort of make sense that he would also protect Earth from a flood, and you know, as the story goes and gets passed down through centuries and centuries and centuries, uh, it gets diluted down to what we uh, in the West know as the story of Noah and the Ark and not uh, Ultraman and the Ark or 
uh, red ball or red uh, globe of safety. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh that this one was a weird one to me um i it took me it took me a little bit of thinking to really kind of hash out my my feelings on it um going into likes and dislikes the thing i liked the most in it um besides the monster which i didn't even name it's called antlar um which is basically a giant stag beetle is what he looks like and that design looks really awesome i love Mm -hmm. the insectoid ones i mean baltan is one of my favorites uh i think have all of the uh ultraman kaiju because i just i I love the insectoid ones um but i i mean it's no secret that i love i love um what's his name why can't i think of his name ed or ed yeah, Ide. <laughs> oh my goodness, my brain is not working <laughs> today. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's no secret that I love Ide the most out of all of the characters. And Ide had a lot to do in this episode and uh, had even kind of a connection, almost a, almost a little bit of a romantic connection uh, to the queen of this, this uh, secret civilization. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I really liked in it. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed Antlar too. Uh, although he did remind me a little bit of Stag Beetle from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but uh, that's just me. I, I, I just like ins- I like insectoid kaiju. Also, uh, I think I think that Kumanga um, in the um, Godzilla mm-hmm. Mythos is a really interesting. Although he's just or she is just a giant spider. Um, it's really it's a really well done giant spider, and I feel like that this is a very well done giant beetle. And there's a really there's actually a really uh, um, lovely painting out there that I found a, a couple months I think it was a couple months ago during uh, Ultra Month in well in January during Ultra Month, and it was mm-hmm. of the battle between Ultraman and Antlar, and I cannot remember who the artist is. If I if I think of it before this is over, I'll let you guys know, but. Um, I, I just enjoyed the episode as a whole. Uh, I enjoyed sort of the setup and, and them trying to explain some, uh, some of the mythos behind Ultraman because really we're, we're only seven episodes into a brand new series. And so there is a lot of different things that need to still be explored. And so I like that they tried to do that with this episode, but I wasn't sure about the whole, uh, by by the way, they tried to explain biblical history by calling him Noah, and the, although they didn't quite come out and say it, or or though maybe they did, because at the beginning of the episode, didn't uh, one of the one of them say, "Oh, this is where this is the site where the ark landed, or the ark or mm-hmm. the ark rested." Um, yeah. So I think that so they were trying to explain some biblical history, which is it's an interesting take. It made sense within within the episode, so. I didn't have a problem with it. It was just a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, that was the weird part for me, but um ultimately I did I did enjoy the episode. Um I find it very interesting that this is the first time uh that the science patrol really actually had a hand in defeating 
the monster directly. Mm-hmm. You know, they've always been around and they've always kind of helped, but ultimately it's Ultraman that, that does the fighting and uh, defeats the monster. But this time around, uh, they use the, the blue stone of Baraji and they use that to defeat Antlar because Antlar was tough enough that even Ultraman couldn't uh, defeat him alone. Mm-hmm. So I find that I found that really interesting too. Right, I did too. And you know, I, there's not a whole lot that I dislike about this episode. Uh, obviously, Ide and the female character and that romance was a bright spot. You know, Aunt Laura was a bright spot for the episode. Some even uh, again, some of the the explaining of the Ultraman mythos was was interesting. Um, but I just found I just thought that the the lost civilization trope uh, was just boring. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be mean, but that's it was just kind of the, ep- yeah. the episode was not super entertaining to me. But it was a so- but it's a solid episode. Yeah, and I think I've had that um, criticism of a, a previous episode where the story that they were doing was not an original story; it was already a tired trope even at the time that the show was on. And that's kind of how this, you know, this one feels. It's like, this is a tired trope, even at the, in the era that this was coming out, this was a tired trope. So, um, I get that. Now I want to ask you, what did you think of the French, uh, science patrol officer of the French science patrol officer? Yeah. The one that, uh, came to, uh, tell them about how uh once had been shot down or or well not shot down but brought down by antlar and uh goes with them on the adventure he's uh he's from paris he seemed a little shady to me like he was like he was up to something <laughs> he just seemed a li- i mean he is he is french well so. of course <laughs> not not I'm to just... not to knock our french listeners because i'm sure we at least have a couple I'm just joking um, yeah but no I, I didn't care i mean his character was fine it tied into the story at times he seemed a little out of place um what like um, I'm trying to remember the the exact line of the of the of, it's in the it's in the beginning of the episode. He comes to the science patrol and he starts explaining all of this stuff. And it like why would a Frenchman come to Japan to then send them to Saudi Arabia or um, not Saudi Arabia? Where was this at? Um, it was in the Middle East. It was in the Middle East. I don't think they gave. I think they may have given a play like an actual location, but I can the, the name of it escapes me. Um, yeah, but you know, he was fine. The character was fine. Um, he was just dry. I kind of like that they have expanded out and have said that the, the, this team that we're seeing, uh, of the science patrol is not the only team that there are other teams of science patrol mm-hmm. out there this is just the japanese branch right uh and they and the only reason we're following them is because ultraman um but yeah so i i like the expanding of the mythos mm-hmm. there because like you said this is only the seventh episode in a brand new series so i like the idea of expanding it out and um kind of bringing in uh more dimension to the to the world that they're building there. and later on don't we see um i can't remember what episode is uh, can't remember what episode it's in because they're all starting to run together at this point um but mm-hmm. we see someone come from the branch the american branch um uh, too if i'm not mistaken so you know, yeah. they are expanding this universe and they are expanding this 
this agency similar to MI6 with the James Bond uh, universe because um, and it, it's just it's just interesting. It's just interesting. I can I uh, I wish I had I wish I had more to say about the Fr- about the Frenchman, but you know his he was just a little dry. But it's but like you said, it, it's yeah. it's it's good that they're trying to expand and dig a little bit deeper. Um, you know, since so early on into this brand new series. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's, uh, we've covered everything for that episode because we even talked about the monster and everything. Right. Um, so let's move on to the next episode, uh, that we want to discuss. Episode eight, which is called the Monster Anarchy Zone. And the story, the plot breakdown for that one is there is an island that some scientists have been studying. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to pull it up. Okay, <laughs> here it is. A group of scientists are sent to explore a new volcanic island. Months pass with no signal from them. That's when the science patrol is sent to investigate and rescue any survivors. What they find is like nothing anyone ever expected. The island is populated by huge monsters. And all but one of the scientists have been killed, while uh, most creatures within the expedition to the Lawless Monster Zone were vicious. Uh, Pigmon, which is a monster that they run across, was not. It helped the injured soul survivor by giving him food and led the science patrol to him when they arrived on the island. Uh, so this this is a... I think out of all of the episodes... This one is my favorite that we've that we've discussed so, so far. far. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I can sum up this episode for me in three words: action, suspense, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. It is a it is a lot of fun. So let's talk about the monsters in this episode. We have. Uh, the first one, one of the first ones that you see is Red King. Now, you have an opinion on Red King. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you, what, would you like to share with the class your opinion on Red Absolutely. King? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll share my opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not the, I, he had, Red King has a following within the Kaiju community. Um, but for me, he basically looks like uh, an ear of corn married the Michelin Man, and that's mm. pretty much it. I, I know he's supposed to be a, a lizard, uh, and you can kind of see it a little bit, but he just sort of looks like the Michelin Man. And th- don't get me wrong, he is absolutely one of the most unique kaiju in the Ultra Universe, and probably, you know, top tier in the Ultra Universe because he is sort of a a rival that pops up uh, every so often, uh, similar to Boltan. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I just I just cannot look <laughs> at it without giggling to myself because you you have to think, what were these people thinking? Like a really tiny head and this big, hulky... Um, Fat roll he body. He has such a tiny head. Yeah. He has such a tiny head. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Um. I I read online that it, within the Ultraman community, um, he is often referred to as Cobbzilla mm-hmm. 
because he's kind of like a corn cob Godzilla. Right. Um, and so I was like, yeah, that, that kind of, that kind of fits. Um, uh, it's interesting, a, b- a bit of trivia about his name. The reason why he's referred to as Red King, which I'm sure you know this, Michael, but for, uh, listeners who are not aware, uh, the reason why he's called Red King was uh, back in the day when they were still in the process of creating this Ultraman series, Ultraman originally was, well, not, originally but at one point was going to be called red man mm-hmm. and so red king was going to be his rival mm-hmm. but they changed red man to ultraman and they just decided not to keep not to change the uh the this monster's name so he is still called red king even I though he wondered is not why red. he was called red king but he wasn't red yeah yeah he's not red at all <laughs> Now Black King, uh we see Black King come later on. I don't I don't think it's in this series, but in the in the next series yeah, or no, the that's... series after, uh and I think he's in Return of Ultraman, it's where he pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he is actually black. And mm-hmm. that makes a lot more sense than Red King, who is white, who looks like a white corn cob. Yeah, yeah, and he never does become red, as far as I can tell, and even in later series, when Red King reappears in later series, he's never fully red. <laughs> I believe Red so. King 2, or Red King Jr., I can't remember what it is, I think maybe one of them are is actually red, but I'll, I'd have oh, to really? Google that. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, but that's interesting. It's, it's, and it goes back to, like I say, it goes back to the naming convention. Uh, he was going to be the rival to Red Man, and Red Man, uh, was named Red Man, so he was called Red King, but then Red Man's name was changed to Ultraman, and instead of calling this one Ultra King, uh, they just decided to keep him as Red King. Uh, so that was interesting. But he fights a, 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 a bat-like creature named Chandora. And at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. and that is a, that's an intense battle. It is. Uh, it is. And I'll ask you this, Travis. Don't you think that this particular episode should have maybe had a PG-13 rating? It, well, the thing, I mean, me and Steven have talked about this in, in previous, I think when we first dive, dived into, dove into the um, Ultraman series, that this show seems at least from an American point of view, a lot more violent than what most kids shows yeah, <laughs> usually absolutely. are. Like there is definitely, and we're going to talk about in the next episode uh, that we, that we talk about after this one too. There is a lot more violence in this show than what American shows typically have mm-hmm. for kids. Um, so yeah, it it kind of does feel like it's it's almost borderline PG thirteen because there was blood and you know violence and stuff and it just uh, yeah it was it was it was very brutal. It was it was real it was really really br- it was really brutal. And whenever I um when I watched this episode for the first time, I was like, man, they, he just ripped that he just ripped that kaiju's wing off, mm-hmm. and. I didn't expect that. I I was sitting there like, wow. And this is, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm thinking that I'm thinking to myself, this is a kid's show. Right. And I think uh, Eric from monsters versus men, when he watched this had this had a very similar or the same reaction because he, he was watching it. If I'm not mistaken with Theo. And from what I understand, Theo loved it. 
and Eric mm-hmm. is sitting there thinking, man, this is, this is intense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, it, it takes me back to the days when I was a kid and parents um, used to think that Power Rangers was too violent. And I'm just like, well, imagine oh, if Ultraman don't get me, had don't get me started on all that because <laughs> I ran into that with my own mom. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, but still like just imagine if Ultraman had, had made it to the States and been popular when we were younger <laughs> instead of Power Rangers, just like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, as far as likes and dislikes go, I mean, my likes, I, 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 like I said, I really enjoyed this episode. I think the whole mysterious island type thing was really good. I think the, the searching for the, um, scientist was really fun. But the thing that stuck out to me the most as one of my favorite moments is Pigmon. Oh, Pigmon. Yay, Pigmon. People love Pigmon. Pigmon is really popular. He is. And I see why. Because he is adorably ugly. And he's so friendly. (laughs) Yep. And he just walks around. My cat makes, my cat actually makes a similar noise when she wants treats. So. (laughs) It is the funniest thing that he is just, he is a super popular, uh, monster. I mean, he is, and, and he's actually a, ultra q monster that they have reused Mm -hmm. uh for this for this series but in ultra q he was giant Mm -hmm. he was actually like full kaiju size he was uh, his name in ultra q was actually garamon and i believe uh garamon shows up uh even in the ultra uh even in the original ultraman series too as garamon i think what i think the episode is actually called garamon's revenge or something like that Mm, yeah and uh for people who are not aware of the ultraman mythos but uh pigmon pigmon is famous for one thing and that is that he dies (laughs) a lot (laughs) he's like the kenny of the kaiju universe he is kenny oh my oh my god they killed pigmon <laughs> he dies so much, um, which we will get to in future episodes, I'm sure. But in this one, he also dies, and he dies in a very—I didn't even realize. It. I was like, "Is he going to sleep?" What I'm mean, like, "What? Is, what is going on?" Because oh, he just got knocked by a, a rock. But to me, it didn't seem like it was all that bad. It just kind of like you know, it's a foam rock, so it didn't really seem like he got hit that hard. But then it's like, nope. Nope, it killed him. <laughs> what did you think about the way when they when they ran upon Pigmon and Pigmon was was trying to to lead them to uh, their team member? The way they tracked him was really interesting. Uh, they shot a, a they shot a a balloon into him so that they could see mm-hmm. him through the brush. And I kept thinking to myself, what if just what if? Since that is a very heavily wooded area with lots of sticks and other sharp objects, what would happen if the balloon popped? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Applying uh, logic to this show with, you know, giant monsters and silliness is, is, you're going down a, a rabbit hole. <laughs> Right, I, I I imagine I am. I just you know it's just a thought that crossed my mind when I was watching this episode. 
Yeah. Um, again, we get a scene where Hayata is uh, not able to reach his beta capsule and you get the tension of him trying to reach the beta capsule and not being able to get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to happen a lot, but I'm not tired of it yet. We're only eight episodes in, but I- I'm not tired of it yet. Um, I like the teaming up of Hayata and the captain. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that was really good. And the monster that they fight, um, which one did they fight? They fought, uh, let me see. They fought Magular. No, was Magular. Yeah, Magular. Yeah, that's right. I was looking at I was looking it up also while you were talking, trying I was trying to beat you to it. Yeah, um, He's a, a, a kind of looks like a thorny toad or a thorny devil, um, kind of a spiky lizard thing that digs mm-hmm. in the ground. And, uh, he's, uh, he's, I liked his design. I mean, he kind of, he's kind of reminiscent of, you know, Baragon or, you know, some of those other ones. So, um, but I, I liked him. And he's just another quadruped. I mean, it's, he's just another quadruped kaiju. Uh, I feel like the other two kaiju in this episode were more were were more unique and stood out to me more. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if uh, the the beginning battle was between Red King not was between Red King and Mogular and Mogular lost, and then the final battle was um, what do we decide? What do we say the name of that? What do we say the name of the uh, um, of the other kaiju was? Chindora. Uh, Ch- yeah, um, but maybe he survived. Yeah. To the fi- to the to the end. So excuse me, I'm getting a little choked up. <laughs> um but one thing that I, I I put it in my dislikes uh a part of my dislikes notes and it's not really a dislike, it's just more of something that I noticed. Um the, for this one is it's one of the very few episodes where Ultraman does not outright eliminate or kill his opponent mm-hmm. uh during ultraman's battle with red king during during the climax of the episode he just basically knocks him unconscious and leaves him there mm-hmm. yeah yeah and in the monster we were just talking about um magular uh that he he was actually defeated by hayata and the captain without mm-hmm. ultraman at all so yeah, that, that was a that was another one of my like section was I think this is one of the few episodes where the team actually gets a win for themselves without having having to rely on Ultraman himself to come and save them. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned in the last episode how um, this it was the first time that the team really kind of uh, assisted Ultraman in in some kind of significant way in defeating the monster. But this one was like the first time that Ultraman wasn't even there when they were uh, mm-hmm. fighting and didn't even show up. So uh, it's, it's definitely um, interesting that it's interesting that they're using the team better than just being the sidekicks to Ultraman. Uh, I, right. I like, I think it's, I think it's working so far. Um, now I've watched ahead, and it it does happen more throughout the series, and, and those episodes to me seem to be the most interesting because you have, um, you know, you have the humans, you have the human characters doing their part. They're taking a more proactive role in uh, taking care of the situation. 
uh, and Ultraman is just sort of there as as insurance, mm-hmm. where he's just there to make sure that when things get way out of control, that he can handle it for them. I mean, those seem to be the 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 most interesting episodes to me throughout the franchise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, just one more note from me on this is the scene where they are burying Pigmon, uh, or when Hayata is carrying Pigmon. It is one of the most emotional and uh, just artistic scenes I've ever seen in a Tokusatsu yes. series. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be honest, and I hope so. I hope people don't make fun of me for it, but I thought maybe I was going to get a little choked up. Uh, when that when that whole scene was taking place, because it was just it was well done, it was well shot. Like that the ending scene where they're on top of the when they're on top of the ridge, and they've just buried Pigmon was mm-hmm. was really really touching. And I, and and for a character as beloved as Pigmon, I think it was appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So I I just yeah, like I said, Pigmon is famous for one thing: he dies, and it's always sad because <laughs> he's just this cute little like ugly puppy dog he's he's like a pug he's ugly but he's cute but and you just you feel bad for him <laughs> oh man don't don't insult pigmon like that because pugs are pugs are ugly they're ugly little dogs oh uh, so um any other uh <laughs> they're ugly but they're cute ugly i i think they're cute <laughs> Uh, all right moving on we don't want to offend we don't want to offend anybody out there that has a pug for a dog that loves their dog we're yeah, sorry i i'm i'm here for the pugs <laughs> um so moving on to the last of the three episodes that we're covering today the lightning operation this one uh is i'm just gonna wing it on. why didn't they name this operation lightning i don't know this one was this was a weird one again um it really was it was a weird episode um it had its moments mm -hmm. um but yeah i'll let you start with some of your some of your initial thoughts well well, obviously the plot breakdown first and then your initial thoughts sorry yeah well i mean just the plot breakdown for this one on the wikipedia is a violent episode where ultraman rips one of the petals off of the monster like that's it (laughs) okay all right well Um, that's all you that's all you folks need to know about this episode so we have the return the epic return of the the most controversial not controversial but the the most uh the character that most people are divided on uh which is uh the kid Uh, he returns and he, but what saves it is he's not a major, major part of this episode. Um, Thank God. Yeah. We, yeah. Cause that, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. That kid is something else. Uh, well, yeah, that's something. I mean, I don't want to insult a kid, but come on. He's he's pretty annoying. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but he's pretty annoying. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, Travis, we get to see the return of the most beloved character in the kaiju universe. Well, at least partially. Yeah. Part. And that is the Baragon abdomen. Yep. 
Yep. Which I think of all of the monsters, I, I said the last episode was my favorite episode of the three, but this monster design is actually my favorite monster design. And I might be biased really? because it's partly okay. Baragon and I love Baragon so much. But no, I, I do really, I find this, this monster, uh, design fascinating and the monster's name, let me pull it up here. Gabora. Yeah, yeah, Gabora. And, it it's really interesting that he looks exactly, at least initially when he comes out of the ground, looks exactly like a graboid from Tremors. Or a skull crawler. Or a skull crawler. Like he looks just like that. And I'm like, wow. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I, I like the design of like there's an interior head that these petals, these kind of, you know, skin flaps, well, I don't know what you want to call them, kind of cover mm-hmm. so that he can dig through the ground. Uh, and then it opens up and exposes the, you know, the actual head of the monster. I like the design. I really, mm-hmm. really like the design. Um, so wh- how'd you feel about the monster? You don't agree with me? I don't particularly agree with that. It's in, it's an interesting kaiju. I will say I will say that, but it's not my favorite. Um, but I think what hurts it for me is just the is the effects work. Uh, I think that's what the main thing that hurts it for me. Not the overall design, but just the effects that you know made that particular kaiju go. Uh, because in the episode, you can clearly see a string attached to the end of its nose to keep its head up. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's I'm I'm trying to be fair. Uh just strictly design itself. I actually liked the um I actually liked Gavora when the hood comes out and you reveal like the full face of Gador of not Gatora mm-hmm. Gavora mm-hmm. um instead of the hooded version. Uh I thought the hooded version was interesting. Like we said, it looked like a graboid or a scroll crawler, which is cool. Um but when it opens up its hood, it looks like a it looks like Baragon's ugly cousin. <laughs> uh, I I mean, well, I I like Baragon, so maybe that's why. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I did. I really enjoyed the design. I, I get what you're saying about the um the special effects of of being able to see the wires and stuff that were holding it up, and while I understand that's you know that is kind of poor it's poor design and also poor production but at the same Mm -hmm. time we're talking about a show from 1966 and i see wires on all of the uh ships and and stuff that are flying through the sky all the time so it's not like it's that unusual to see the wires and stuff in this show I think it was an episode before this, or it's an episode coming shortly after this. Like, there's a scene in the water, and the the monster apparently has the has some bio has some bioluminescence ability, mm-hmm. and so to show us that the monster is coming in the water up to the shore, it shows these blinking light these blinking lights, mm-hmm. but you can clearly see the track lighting under the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they did not put the light, the, the, the railing that held the lights up, that, that was holding the lights deep enough to where you could not see it. Right. And, um, that's a little bit distracting. Like, 
I understand that, you know, given it's 1966 and they did what they had to do, I get it. Um, but sometimes it's just too distracting for me to really, really enjoy it. And I, and that's terrible of me to say as, as a kaiju fan, I should be accepting of all things weird and cheesy, but <laughs> sometimes it just, like I said, it's just way too distracting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Um, the thing that threw me off in this episode was how all of the science patrol seemed to already know about the monster. And I didn't understand why it just seemed like they already knew the monster existed. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I looked up, uh, uh, on the Wicca Wikipedia, um, page about that. And it said that originally the monster Pagos, uh, from Ultra Q was supposed to come back uh-huh. in this episode. And so they okay. were going to, they were going to recognize that monster because that monster had already been established in Ultra Q. And so that's uh-huh. why the script kind of had them just already recognizing the monster. But then right. they decided to go with this new one, uh, instead. And, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of explains why, but that was one thing that did throw me off when I was watching it was like, why, why, why do they already know about the monster? It's like, did we miss something? I, I thought I fell asleep during part of the episode and was like, missed a whole beginning section. (laughs) Did they, uh, or did you think that, um, the human story was decent enough to carry the episode, regardless of sort of how lackluster the effects were? I did. I did because I did find myself enjoying even the human side to Uh it. Um, It's I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's like the top level um, the uh, human story that I've seen in the show so far. But Uh uh, it was definitely interesting enough to keep my attention and I didn't get bored with it. No, I thought the, was it the Boy Scouts in the woods? I think, I thought that, you know, the boys getting lost and getting hurt in the woods. Um, that was an, that was, it was an, it created, it created suspense that I think this episode needed to be enjoyable because everything else just seemed kind of phoned in to me. And now this is, this is only my opinion. Everything else seemed a little bit phoned in at this point, mm-hmm. but the human story did help keep things interesting and that's why and really um that's really one of the main reasons why I, I continued to why I watched this episode from start to finish and didn't skip ahead. Uh because some episodes, let's be real, some episodes are just unbearable and so you just skip you just skip all the way to the monster fights. Let's just be real right. people. Right. Um but this episode was interesting. Uh I thought that the that the that the plot with the kids in the woods uh, or the scouts in the woods was an, a, an interesting part of it. And it, it did kept, it did, uh, it did keep my attention. Yeah. I fully expected the kids to reveal at the end that they actually knew that Hayata was Ultraman. Because I did too. It, it seemed like it was going that direction, didn't it? It did. It yeah. did. I'm really surprised that it, that it did not, uh, go that direction. It just seemed, um, it seemed like the obvious way to go toward, you know, to, to end that episode or at least, uh, give some kind of nod. Uh, maybe, maybe the rest of the team doesn't see it, but you know, the kids maybe talk amongst themselves and, you know, right. maybe like a wink and a nod to, Hey, we know who you are, and, yeah. but we're going to, but we're going to keep your secret, you know? Yeah. I, um, 
I thought that would have been interesting because I, I would have liked to have you – know, it, it would be interesting, this idea that the kids are able to make these connections that the adults can't, mm-hmm. you know, that the the kids can look and say, well, obviously Hayata is, is Ultraman because when whenever Ultraman's around, Hayata disappears. Um, and that but, would help actually tie it into being a more kid-focused show, like give the kids – like give the kids – the ability to reason and figure things out faster than the adults. I mean, what better way to, to empower, you know, kids at that point than to make it look like, Hey, the kids are smarter than the adults. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But they didn't do that. So I think that was a missed opportunity. It was, Um, it was definitely a missed opportunity. One thing um, I did notice too, it's just, it's a minor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so we, typically when you see a kaiju, it is a mixture, their, their sounds and their roars are typically a mix of Godzilla, Baragon, and sometimes Rodan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this one, we got to hear Kong. We got to hear, uh, Kong's roar for this mm-hmm. one, which was kind of jarring. And it was different because it seems like all the kaiju up to this point sound exactly the same to me. Right. Uh, so it was it was good to hear something different come out of a kaiju. Although I'm not a huge fan of the kaiju design, I'm a fan of the roar. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a minor thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that because uh, it it is interesting. It's nice that they are mixing it up, uh, not just using the same roar for every single one of the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to give Godzuki scores for these episodes because I would like to come back and whenever we finish the entire series, just kind of review the entire series as a whole and give oh, a Godzuki score. Um, but how would you rate these, not not in Godzuki scores, but just a, as these three episodes, how would you rate these? Um, you want me to, Do you want me to rate them as a whole or do you want me to rate them in or do you want me to rate them and rank them? Because I've got them ranked, actually. Uh, whatever um, you feel like doing. <laughs> I'm just going to go since I've already got it in my notes here, I'm going to go ahead and rank them from, you know, starting from the one I like the most mm-hmm. um, and then the one I like the least. Um, so obviously, since we spent, I think, the majority of the time talking about it, I enjoyed episode eight the most. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the three reasons I gave solid action, suspense, and very entertaining. Um, second, I'm going to have to give it to episode seven. And like I said, although the trope of the lost civilization was kind of stale, um, I like that they were able to expand on the Ultraman mythos in a way that was interesting. Um, and then of course, last is episode nine. Decent story. It kept you it kept you interested in what's going on most of the time. Gavora's uh Gavora was an interesting looking kaiju, but at the same time pretty generic. The uh the subpar effects and overall silliness of a lot of parts lost me and a lot I'm sorry, lost interest for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to rate them, or at least I'm going to rank them the same way that you did. I'm putting number eight uh, as first, and then seven, and then nine. Uh, for the same reasons, um, I, I 
ultimately, as even though I liked the design of Gavora, I think mm-hmm. that the episode overall is weaker than it the is. other ones. Um, I'm not. I wasn't. I still wasn't a huge fan of episode seven, but episode eight was a standout for me. It was definitely the standout one of the three. Uh, and it's probably as of right now of the ones that we've already covered on the podcast. Episode eight and episode two, which is the Baltan episode, um, mm-hmm. are probably my two favorite episodes that we've talked about out of all of them. I, I can probably uh, I can probably get on board with that. Uh, I, I can agree with that because the Baltan episode, what it set a really good precedent for what's to come in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then no, episode episode eight was just solid you know, action and storyline throughout the whole thing. So uh, it, it, it's, it's, it was great for me. I, I'm going to have to 100% agree with that. And I cannot wait until we get to the episode with Jiras. Uh, oh, so yeah. that'll be a fun one. Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, the, when you, for me as a, as an adult kaiju fan coming to this show, because I didn't grow up watching this show, uh, the show didn't make it into the United States until, you know, much later. Um, the thing that I look for in this show is the fun action monster stuff. And it's not yeah. necessarily the fights, but just the creative and interesting things they do with the monsters uh, mm-hmm. is is what I'm looking for. And episode 8 definitely gave that to me with so many of the different creatures, so many different of the kaiju and pigmon included uh, and what they did with them. It, it just, it was really solid. So I think it's definitely up there uh, of, of the ones that we've covered so far. It's one of my favorites. Right. And so, and, and so far... Um, so far the the kaiju themselves have been all for the most part have been pretty unique. Now there have been some pretty generic ones too, uh, yeah. and I believe if it's I hope it's this series that I'm thinking of and not Ultra Seven. But later on, we actually get to see a couple more really interesting kaiju, and I think one of them is even a Pegasus, a Pegasus type kaiju. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was super, and a mummy is going to be coming, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, everyone's favorite uh, kaiju to love and to hate is Jidas, and I think that might be even uh, coming the next time we do a, an Ultraman episode, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting kaiju to look forward to uh, in the in the next in the next coming episodes, because I believe the original series, if I'm not mistaken, had like 32 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and in fact, actually, the very next episode um has a really interesting design. The way they used this, it wasn't just one suit actor. Uh, it was two suit actors doing mm-hmm. the same one monster, and so right. the way they do that is really interesting. I think, or no, not the next episode, but it's yeah, the next episode is one with Giras, but one of the next ones that we we cover is going to be um is going to be one. It's somewhere. It's somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I know which one you're. I know. I think I know which one. one you're talking about. But it's it's getting close. 
Yeah, yeah, the oil, oil SOS is the name of the episode. Um, yeah. one, whenever we get to that one, it's one of the ones that we're coming up on. That one, I, I know that one. I've seen that one, and it is, it, it's interesting the what they do with the monster design with that. So yeah. Anyway, um, so I think that's going to cover it for this Ultraman uh discussion. So we can uh close out that section section of the podcast and move on to the mailbag. Uh, we Woo! reached. Uh, yeah, we reached out to uh, some of our friends, some of our fellow podcasters to give us some mailbag questions, and uh, we asked them to uh, relate it back to Ultraman, since that's what this episode is going to be themed around. And Nathan, got- if you're, Nathan, if you're listening, we really could use a mailbag theme song. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah um so so uh speaking of nathan uh one of the questions that he uh, well the question that he sent in was uh from monster island film vault if people are not aware of who we're talking about nathan um what do you think of ultraman using the silver age superman logic of making up new superpowers when he needs them so You've watched ahead further than I have, and I, I've heard that in Ultra 7 it gets even worse, where Ultraman seems to just invent powers as he needs them. How do you feel about that? It is true. In Ultra 7, it gets dialed up to 11 or 12, actually, mm-hmm. um, in Ultraman's ability to just create powers on the fly. Um like um i don't necessarily have a problem with it because one thing that really bugged me about um was what to use power rangers as an example one thing that kind of bugged me about power rangers was they did the same basic moves over and over and over uh they would fight for a couple of minutes you know you know fist to fist and then boom 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 guns and then all of a sudden power sword swatch and then it's over Mm -hmm. and it's similar like ultraman is similar in that regard especially the 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 older the original episodes is older like uh, or is like that because you know they fight they fist fight they roll around for a little bit and then all of a sudden spacey and beam boom it's done Mm -hmm. um now in ultra seven he does pull out some really interesting attacks um one of which being he's able to just he's able to detach the um the spartan blade on the top of his helmet and just throw it uh i thought that that was really interesting actually uh, I personally don't have a problem with them inventing or with them inventing new powers on the fly because to me that just shows uh, Ultraman's adaptability. Now I can see why people would get aggravated by it because it also makes some battles a little bit boring because if if he's inventing brand new powers on the fly wouldn't that in turn make him sort of invincible? Like there would be no, mm-hmm. um, there would be no, um, uh, situation where he would not be able to use some kind of weapon. Um, like there, like I would like to see an episode of Ultraman where he's exhausted every single ability and every single weapon he has at his disposal. And he still cannot put down that Kaiju. 
And mm-hmm. I would like to see an episode like that where he would have to be, he would have to begin to be a little bit more creative in his, um, in his offense because he has exhausted every single thing that he would have at his disposal. But, uh, so far that's not the case. Um, you know, he always comes up with a brand new way of defeating his imminent, his enemy. Uh, and although it's interesting and it keeps things fresh and, and, and just like, Oh wow, look at that. Um, but it also kind of gets boring because Ultraman at that point seems, uh, like he cannot be beaten. And I actually like suspense where a hero does have the ability to be defeated if given the right circumstance. Right. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed those types of stories. The, the hero should always struggle to win. Mm-hmm. If the hero is able to easily defeat the villain, then it's, it's not fun. Uh, you want to see the hero struggle. Um, for me, the answer for this question would be, um, it depends on the context because, uh, the early Ultraman series that we're watching right now, doesn't bother me as much when he Mm -hmm. invents new powers because i take it in the context of well this is a time period it's the same with the superman like nathan mentioned superman in the silver age would always have new superpowers and he would always create new things that he could do and they would just write whatever they wanted about him and that doesn't bother me because reading it in with the context of it was the silver age they had to be creative because this was a silly dumb you know kind of weird time in comic books and and in and with ultraman it is like that too this is a different time period but if i watch some of the modern uh ultraman series even the heisei ultraman series and they are still doing that then it's more of a problem for me because it's like, yeah, no, by, by now you need to, you know, know how to write better than this. But, um, I haven't, I haven't, the few, uh, things I have watched from the Heisei era, um, because I've watched uh, a little bit of Ultraman Mebus, they haven't done that where they just invent new powers. In fact, that Ultraman is a rookie, so he actually struggles more in, mm-hmm. in fighting the monsters and stuff. So, um, so I don't find it, you know, so if, if, if it isn't a big deal later on, then I'm okay with it being a thing in the early seasons because that's just the context of the, you know, it just was the time period that right. they would do that. And I have watched a little, I have watched some ahead. Now I have watched, I, honestly, if there's anyone out there that knows the appropriate name to call these different series, we're calling them the Heisei series because that's just our point of reference. Because anything in the nineties, we call that the Heisei series, similar to what is called with the Godzilla franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's a different name for those in, in terms of Ultraman goes, please let us know. Cause we really want to know at that point, like, should we call it Showa, Heisei, and then Millennium? Or is there a completely different naming system for Ultraman as opposed to any other kaiju franchise? But anyway, um, the the part I have watched ahead, I'm up uh, as far as the original series goes. I'm an, I'm currently on Return of Ultraman. Uh, mm. I'm about 13 episodes in. I had to stop uh, for a little for a couple of weeks just because I had a ton going on. Uh, and then I've watched some Ultra Orb and some Ultra Geed, and it is, it does happen. It, it, you know, they do invent brand new powers on the fly. But to me, I just kind of, it doesn't really bother me a whole lot because like I'm brand new to the series myself and anything 
uh, new and flashy, and as long as it looks good and as long as it makes sense, I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm fully. I mean, I'm a Power Rangers fan, so you know, I don't really care if it's a little on the cheesier side. <laughs> right. Me too. Um, now, uh, Elijah, uh, who hosts the Kaiju Conversation podcast, who mm. just announced that his podcast is coming back from a long break. Um, and I saw he's that. Going... Congra- uh, Elijah, if you're listening to this, congratulations, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you are back and joining the fray of all of us Kaiju podcasters. Um, but he sent in some questions, and he sent in a, in a few of them. So I'm going to just kind of rapid fire go through some of these uh, quickly, um, because they're, uh, we don't have to get into a deep discussion on each one of them. Um, but the first question, did you like the fact that Tsuburaya reused mini Toho Kaiju suits? Did you? How do yes. you feel? Um, yes. I liked it. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was uh, it's an interesting way of cutting cost, but also you know, I mean, a lot of those suits were made with a bigger budget than what they would have been able to make if they just had the Ultraman budget. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah, I think that was that's fine. Um, which Godzilla wannabe was your favorite? So, which of the ones that were kind of Godzilla esque uh, was your favorite so far? So far, or since I've watched ahead? Um, well, uh, of all the ones that you've seen, you can, you uh, all can the, go... All the ones I've seen? Uh, Black King. I like Black King. Oh, okay. Okay. I I really like the... Um, what is the name of of the, the, the skeleton monster oh, from... Uh, I, I can't remember his name. I'm trying to see what he was called it's in the monster graveyard episode right uh, let's see uh, i'm gonna try to beat you to it yeah you're probably going to because this episode I... is brought to you by ultraman wiki yep <laughs> when you don't know the answer to something ask ultra wiki they should have the answer maybe maybe yeah they do somewhere <laughs> uh is it bimular no it's not bimular no no bimular i do like bimular bimular was the um the very first one that um that he fights in the very first episode and i i do like um oh here it is here it is monster graveyard it is sabozu on it you said it just as i found it sabozu uh i i really like of all of the like godzilla-esque mm-hmm. monsters i think that one's my favorite because i really like the idea i, I like the design of this kind of skeletal 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 um, there we go uh design uh the monster that's yeah I, I don't know i really like I, I like that design i think it's really interesting i'm going to i'm going to change my answer because i just thought of one um gamora oh yeah i was as we were passing through all the episodes i was going through all the episodes i thought of gamora too <laughs> uh gamora and i'll and just briefly i'll tell you why because he gave ultraman probably one of the toughest battles of the original series and i enjoyed it mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh he's a good one he's a good one too so that that's a that's another option for me too uh 
but yeah so that answers that question so um elijah also asked english dub or japanese audio for me it's the original japanese it depends it really depends on what i'm watching if it's uh it depends on the film like i did an episode with monsters versus men where we reviewed godzilla 2000 i Mm -hmm. enjoy the american cut of that film other than the Japanese version for simply the music, the, the sound design is a little bit better um, mm-hmm. with the music and the roars and the, and the, and the sound effects is, is it just, it's just better to me. Um, although yeah. the human story is, is still lackluster, you know, they've the, the, the American, in the American cut, a lot of, a lot of things were edited and, and arranged and cut out, but um, just the overall sound design and, the pacing of that film, since it was edited uh, for for U.S. audiences, seems a little bit better to me. So, but it just really depends. It depends on what I'm watching. Do I want? Do I watch for nostalgia or do I watch for meaning? And if I'm watching something like um, um, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, aka Godzilla versus the Thing, I'm gonna probably watch the Japanese version. Or even King Kong versus Godzilla. I'm going to watch the Japanese version simply because in the American version, they cut out a lot of the Ifakube music um, that, where it's all there in the Japanese version. So it just it just really depends. It really depends on what mood I'm in and what I'm watching. Yeah. And, and I'm the same way. Um, if, if, you're, if we're talking about just in general, uh, I say definitely it depends because some, some of them I do enjoy the dubs because uh, I grew up watching the dubs. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, it kind of brings me back to being a kid and watching Godzilla versus Megalon uh, and, and watching the terrible dubs on that one. But, um, but I think Elijah, I took it as being in context of Ultraman because all of his other questions are Ultraman related. If it's so Ultraman, when- absolutely. Absolutely, the subtitles, subtitles yeah. all the way. Because I've I've watched some of the American dubs of Ultraman, and the voice actors are not great. Yeah, yeah, and so have I, and I really did not like the um the American dub. So for me, in Ultraman, it is definitely the Japanese, uh, the original Japanese with subtitles. Um, if you could pick one kaiju from Ultraman to fight Godzilla, who would it be? I'll let uh, you go me- first because I have to think about this one just for a second. Well, for me, it's the one you already mentioned. It's it's Gamora. Okay. Because I think of all of the kaiju in Ultraman, that is probably the one that's going to give Godzilla the biggest run for his money. Mm, yeah. Okay. I can I can absolutely see that. Um, <clears throat> only because I'm going to say this only because I feel like I just want to see him destroyed but i'm gonna say godzilla versus red king with red king finally being ended (laughs) once and for all uh now an interesting matchup would be godzilla versus geos uh Uh, it would be it would be because it's godzilla versus godzilla because that's a godzilla suit (laughs) um but no yeah the i i still think of the the more fun and entertaining ones uh i think the two of ours would probably be uh, the most entertaining to watch um so who was your favorite character in the show i i mean of course ide for me <laughs> i've said that um, a bunch outside of times. <laughs> outside of hayata ide Ide is just so good. He's so <clears throat> good. The comedic timing that he has it is so good. Mm-hmm. 
And then the last question that Elijah sent to us is, why is Gabora? Well, Gabora is Gabora because Gabora. <laughs> well, I'm going to do you one better, Elijah, and say, who is Gabora? <laughs> it's a. I, I'm. I'm guessing he's making a reference to in game, <laughs> Avengers in game, probably. <laughs> um, so Gabora yeah, so that is answer. inevitable. Yeah, Gavora is inevitable. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um, it, it, which is funny because when when I first read the the question, I thought he was talking about Gabra. From... I did too. I did too. Uh, I, I <laughs> which read it just as made Gabra. it even funnier. Oh, <laughs> uh, just made it even funnier and that it, that little cat creature. <laughs> if it was Gabra, I was gonna say he's your drunk uncle at the party. You really don't want to attend, but you have to because your wife makes you. Yeah. Bad touch. Bad touch, Uncle Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah, so that's it for the mailbag. And I didn't mention it at the top of the mailbag, but if you want to send us a, an email or a message, you can do that by sending it uh, uh, to the email address kaijuweekly at gmail.com, or you can send it to us on Twitter at kaijuweekly, or you can send it to us through Instagram or through the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group because that is a great place to get in touch with us because we are always on there. Right. I'm always on there because I have no life and Michael's on there because he's a moderator. Right. <laughs> it's a great group too. Uh, if you guys are if you guys are looking for a wonderful Facebook group to be a part of where people actually love to have discussions about uh, Kaiju and not post just crappy memes all the time. Um. Yeah, come and join the Kaiju Groupie. We would love to have you. Yeah, it is definitely an excellent group to be in uh, for Kaiju fans. And uh, talking about the social medias, uh, Michael's actually better with the instagram side of social media than i am so if you guys are interested in kaiju style instagram pictures then follow michael uh kaiju groupie on instagram or kaiju groupie 54 no it's uh and it's the kaiju groupie on instagram and the i kaiju groupie. and i am kaiju groupie 54 on twitter um, on twitter yeah you can you can find me on twitter at kaiju groupie 54 and usually i'm hanging out there with guys like travis and and some of the other podcasters within the community we're just having great discussions and all the tweets are mine all opinions are mine and i don't expect you to agree with every single one of them yeah yeah and all pictures of my cat are mine and because <laughs> i mean to be fair that's the majority of what i do is just that's true i mean you have a cute cat i mean daisy daisy is her name correct uh -huh, yes. okay daisy is a is a is, she's she's cute i mean um if i have three cats and i just don't want to break the internet with their cuteness so i'm glad that there's a <laughs> that there is a cat out there that's willing to take up the mantle of the official <laughs> kaiju cat um uh -huh. <clears throat> But yeah, before your cats we are adorable, I have seen pictures of your cats and they are adorable. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're they're a bunch of heathens, but um, yeah, they're ador they're adorable some days. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but before we uh, sign off here, I know we're running a little bit long at the moment, but uh, just for a, just for a hot second, I want to. I posted on my Instagram yesterday, and I just want to thank everybody in the community that reached out to me. For those who don't know, uh, my dad passed away last week, 
And my, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because, uh, my dad was a huge, huge influence as to why and how I got into kaiju and giant monsters and dinosaurs and power rangers and just whatever. Um, they, him and my mom both, um, were huge influences in my life in that, in that aspect of it. And, you know, when, when people in the community found out what happened a lot, I got a lot of messages of love, uh, prayers, thoughts, and just hope. And I just really, really appreciate it. So you guys, uh, you guys are amazing. We're a part of an amazing community and I just hope that this keeps growing and, um, yeah, we'll see what we're at. We'll see what we're at in the coming year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're glad that you are. I'm glad that you were able to make it onto the episode. Um, I know it's a difficult time for you, but, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't want you to feel pressured that you had to come back so soon, but at the same time, I'm glad that you were able to make it back here. But, um, yeah, but we as a community, the Kaiju community are here to help each other, uh, is what we're hoping for. And which is why we're doing things like Kaiju quarantine, the two day marathon to kind of be a support system for each other. Mm -hmm. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching, um, watching Rigo with everyone because it'll be the very i mean it's been in my it's been on my watch list for so long uh but i've never actually taken i've never taken a moment to sit down and watch it so i'm gonna wait until it's time until i can watch it with you guys and i think the experience is going to be that much better because of it yeah and speaking of watching things that are that we've never watched the next episode is probably going to be uh, a review of a movie that a lot of people might not consider kaiju (laughs) and might not have watched um and so to hint to what we're going to be discussing at the trivia question is not really a trivia question it's more of an opinion question i want you guys to send in through either the email or on twitter what is the scariest fruit or vegetable to you Broccoli. And if that doesn't hint. <laughs> broccoli or Brussels sprouts? Or wait, I'm not allowed to answer yet, am I? <laughs> through Twitter. Through oh, Twitter. Tw- through Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Although I have to say, I forget. I have to look back up, but there is a um, tokusatsu show um, that had a watermelon monster on it. And that was a very scary looking watermelon. <laughs> what about um pumpkin wrapper from the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger series? I mean, can we can't forget oh, about yeah. him. Yeah, can't forget about him. Um so yeah, I want to hear from you guys what is the scariest fruit or vegetable uh to you and we will have a special guest host next week uh coming all the way from the other side of the planet. Um <laughs> All the way from the great land of New Zealand. Uh-oh. So, uh, it's going to be a fun one. So, we hope to see you guys there. And, as always, help control the giant monster population. Have your pigmon uh, spayed or neutered. <laughs> and don't let it get eaten by Red King. Don't let it get eaten by Red King. Uh, see you guys later. Thanks so much, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Bye. <laughs>